Welcome back to The Mining Pod. On today's show, we're joined by Amanda Fabiano, the founder of Fabiano Consulting and formerly the head of mining at Galaxy Digital Holdings. In this show, we go back in time to look at gold mining stocks after the launch of the gold ETF in 2004. We then fast forward to today and look at the Bitcoin ETF launch and how Bitcoin mining stocks could be impacted or affected by the launch of that new asset or ETF. For a quick note, please go check out our YouTube channel, Blockspace. You can find the mining pod on there along with other great sources of content. Also go check out our new newsletter, putting out newsletters about twice a week at the moment. It's blockspace.media. So go subscribe there. Lastly, quick shout out to Foreman Mining, the head sponsor for this podcast. You can check out their ad read later in the show. But first a word from our other sponsors and then onto the conversation. Want to mine Bitcoin? Gator Mining offers premium hosting with as low as one unit per client, 95% uptime guaranteed, no curtailment, 24-7 monitoring and maintenance, in-house certified repair center, clean and renewable energy, all at competitive market rates. Work with an individualized team to get hash rate flowing your way today. Gator Mining, pioneering trustworthy crypto hosting for optimal mining success. Contact Gator Mining today at gatormining.ca. Bitcoin miners, be prepared. Hashrate is moving upstream towards power plants and low-value energy. Don't get cut off. Modernize and mobilize your Bitcoin mining fleet today with Upstream Data's high-performance load centers. Plug in Upstream Data's hash hut and monetize surplus wind power reliably in the blistering heat of West Texas. Plumb in hash generators and safely convert natural gas into cash in the frigid winters of northern Canada. Upstream offers high-quality load centers that will help you mine Bitcoin safely and reliably in every application and climate. Mobilize today and start mining upstream at upstreamdata.com. Are you a retail or institutional investor interested in Bitcoin mining companies? The Miner Mag brings you free data and analysis from all major NASDAQ-listed Bitcoin mining operations to know who stands out. Check out visualized metrics and data-dependent stories at theminermag.com. Welcome back to The Mining Pod. My friend Amanda Fabiano is joining us today, formerly of Fidelity and Galaxy Digital, and now the founder, and maybe you have another title, at Fabiano Consulting. <laughs> I don't. I, did, I didn't give myself any cool title yet. Uh, you know, yeah. just going to try to get it going before caring about, you know, what someone calls me. Other than... Head minor. Oh, Can wow. Be, that is something. That's pretty good. I might Head just child. go change my website right now. Yeah, you can use it for free. I'll Thanks give it well. to you. I see it right there. <laughs> Thank you for that that gift. <laughs> so it's beginning of the year, and we have like a million things going on at the same time. Bitcoin's pumping, ETF season, Bitcoin mining stocks are super hot right now. There's a flash in the pan every once in a while. And we're looking at this and being like, what's happening? And it's also a having year. You forgot that. Also a happening. Yep. We won't forget about that. It's four months away. Mm-hmm. But it's crazy. We're not really talking about it as much as we did in 2020 because of all the, the other stuff I just mentioned. Everyone is ETF crazed. Yeah. But the miners, well, actually, I don't hear that many miners talking about having right now, to be honest. <laughs> you know, maybe they should be. Um, I feel like it's not the f- most fun topic to talk no. about or discuss. No, it's not. It's not. But we wanted to dig in with you about all those topics aforementioned, and then also look at the gold industry as a good uh, representative of what can happen in a heavy asset industry, and especially during times of economic uncertainty or turmoil. So I'm going to hand over the reins to you to just kind of like set the table for conversation today. Uh, but for those listening on your ears, say take 
some notes from this. It's gonna be a good conversation. There's gonna be like a lot of like technical information. So I, you. I feel like you're pumping it up a little. I think I'm right. I am not like a gold bug at all. So I just did some research <laughs> and thought that it was kind of interesting. Um, obviously gold being like a heavy commodity business with, you know, it kind of went through a very, it has similar things. It has gold mining companies, right? It had an ETF that launched not too long ago. I think maybe for some younger people, it feels like it was a long time ago, but it wasn't it long ago. So we think about, you know, approaching the news of the Bitcoin ETF, right? We think we're like on the eve of it every minute, every day lately, right? Um, I think there's been some really amazing commentary on what might happen when the ETF is launched and approved. And, you know, idea being floodgates will open, institutional investors now have a different way of getting exposure to Bitcoin, um, we're all going to the moon, right? Um, what's become clear to me over the past few months is that we should potentially listen to people that know how these things work because there's been a lot of um, bad takes, I'd say, on Twitter. So I'm not going to give you another bad take of what I think is going to happen. Um, but I do think that like it's been really helpful to have some of those traditional financial experts with experience on how this process actually works. And it's been fun to kind of like see it play out. Um I also want to caveat with past performance is obviously not an indicator of future performance. So if we look at Bitcoin as a similar asset to gold, we shouldn't think that it's just going to act the exact same way. But it is interesting to draw some comparisons to what happened with gold after the ETF launched in 2004. So after four years of the gold ETF launch, gold prices doubled. Um, Gold price was around $700 in 2004. And by August 2011, it skyrocketed to 250%, reaching an all-time new high of 2450. When we think about 2011, it really wasn't the best year for the stock market. So it makes sense that investors started to look for a more stable or safe haven asset, right? Year 2011. Will, how old were you? Like four? 2011. Don't dox yourself, but... I was quite young. Yeah. Uh, Like... 12, 13. Oh, you were a little baby. I know. <laughs> That's cute. Um, so what was going on when you were, you know, probably playing video games with maybe Walt? And- Wait, I was like 15. Never mind. Okay. I'm really bad at math. Well, you still probably maybe didn't care about like macro trends of the world. I know no. I did it at 15. No. So the U.S. debt ceiling was having a crisis. There was Eurozone debt crisis that was having happening. Global economic uncertainty good old central bank policies, you know, low, there was low interest rates then and quantitative easing that was happening, right? Trying to stimulate this economic growth. There was a lot of geopolitical tension and also this record high gold prices like we talked about, right? So the combination of everything that was going on in the world really provided this demand for, for gold as this like safe haven asset, right? So think about 2011, now think about 2024, we have Bitcoin, right? This is very different. Um, we, the global macro trends still kind of suck, right? <laughs> U.S. debt um, being at $34 trillion an election year. Fed rates are, are high. I don't know if you, you want to buy a house anytime soon, but sad for people that do. Um, global economic uncertainty and still geopolitical tensions, right? So I just... I wonder what will happen to Bitcoin after an ETF is launched, which seems almost inevitable. And it seems like it will be extremely positive if we look at it compared to gold. Um, Now, everyone, including myself just then, gave you like, what's going to happen to Bitcoin price with an ETF? But we're kind of leaving out the mining stocks, right? So if we look back at 
public gold miners at the launch of an ETF and what happened. It's really interesting. So my original take when I was learning about the ETF, I was like, mining stocks, they're going to they're gonna like go down. Mining has always been an alternative asset, uh, an alternative way to get Bitcoin on your balance sheet, right? Because a lot of people couldn't hold just pure Bitcoin. ETF opens up a different floodgate. They'll probably just want an ETF. I... I think I'm really wrong in that take. Um, so I've like changed my opinion on it. Wow. I know it's crazy to change your opinion. It's fantastic to always challenge yourself. But, um, you know, we, Alex Thorne, who um, is my favorite researcher, he, he's done some research that says that $14 billion will flow into this industry in the first year. And so miners, I think, do still really remain inter- interesting, right? For people that are trying to get exposure here. And if we compare it to gold's industry again, right? Like you see that the gold stocks went up after the ETF was launched. Um, and, you know, th- that positive correlation is something that I think we could see again. Now, what is where it gets like really interesting, right? Is like as gold prices climbs, um, the individual company's metrics and outputs became important, right? So... Mm-hmm. Barack Gold Company, for example, they had positive returns until 2013, until after the ETF was launched. And they had to shut down one of its largest mines when they had to pay off some of its debt, right? This all kind of sounds familiar to Bitcoin mining, like a lot of debt. Um, And I'm quoting a Forbes article here that said, through reckless spending and acquisitions during a huge run-up in gold. No way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was was pretty good. So I think there's some lessons to be learned from miners, right? Um, When we, if we compare ourselves to like that part of the industry. So stay humble, remain focused on strategy, right? I, we obviously have the having coming up, but I think if you're not thinking about the next having, you're already behind. Yeah. Um, Now, obviously, gold isn't a perfect comparison either to Bitcoin mining. Um, There's a variety of different risks that exist in each, you know, category. Mm For example, like exploration risk in gold is real um, and energy prices risk for miners are real, right? And those are things that don't really matter for the other. Mm-hmm. But um, I did touch on something earlier that I want to go back to about individual companies and metrics, right? So mining industry right now does not have standardized oh. metrics for, yeah. every, for everyone. And they don't share it all the same. They don't share it all at the same cadence. And part of that is a lot because miners have different strategies, right? So it makes sense to share things differently sometimes. But in a sample of eight public miners, there are over 20 different metrics that they they share. So of course, there's standard metrics like Bitcoin mined, right? But like even that varies. Like, is it monthly? Is it daily? Is it quarterly, right? Like, I guess it comes back to the question of like, what matters? Like, what matters for us to see? Um, We don't see like quantity of ASICs in a fleet, right? We don't talk about the cost of mining methodology, right? Like, which, by the way, Brandon um, put out like a cost of mining calculator a couple of years ago to try to like, get us all standardized. Um, But, you know, some of it, some of these things should be the same. And I think the other thing we don't talk about is SG&A cost, which I think will be a huge deal after this happening. Yeah, a lot of people got criticized us last year for that huge SG&A cost on it. Did you have any opinions on that before I ask another question about it? Especially during a barrier, I saw some really high numbers, but I think you like, package stuff into that metric, right? We do. Yeah. And I also think that like people get obsessed with how much certain like executives make, but you know, a lot of the equity is like the a lot of the comp is equity based and like there's a lot of taxes that come out of that, right? And there's a lot of like sometimes when you 
when you have to um, exercise something, it's because you have to pay certain taxes. So I think there's like a lot of nuances there that there's a lot of things that people get wrong. But I do think generally SG&A costs have to come down. Um, we see, I think there's mining companies have had like a very large management team over mm-hmm. the past having cycle, right? Because it was like a lot of them went public and then it was like, you need help with all of these different things. Like, it's not easy to run a public company, but I do wonder what companies will look like in four years from now. Hmm. Yeah. I want to go back to the gold mining thing and talk about that comparison a little bit and break it down for a listener who might not like sort of like see like the differences and the similarities between these two things. I think the place to start is probably like they're both asset heavy. Like you have to have these ASICs. You have to have like a, business, a, right? a dump truck to move ore or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. How do you think conceptualize them or when you're thinking about these two? And then what are some differences? I think that like, so obviously like gold is like uh, something that comes out of the earth, right? Like you mine it, right? So like, I think a lot of people have always thought that like you mine Bitcoin, right? Um, but it is like, I, I think the easiest way to think about it is like, a commodity business that is like heavy assets, right? For like the mining portion of, of the, the gold piece. Um, so that's like, I think the easiest way to kind of break it down and think about like why I think about them in a comparative way. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of industries sometimes that I think we can turn to and say like, what happened with this industry and like, what can we learn from it? And for mining specifically, I think gold has kind of always been one that you could look at it and be like, there's a lot of differences, right? But there are some similarities that you can kind of get comfortable with and see like where people made mistakes and try to fix them or where they did something good, like lobbying or, you know, sharing information, right? There's a world mining council, right? World gold mining council. Like, you know, there's, you know, now a Bitcoin mining council. So, mm-hmm. You know, there's, I think sometimes we, we, um, how do I say this? <laughs> sometimes we think that like, I love like the audacity of Bitcoin miners where we think we can do everything, but I think there is still a lot to learn from different industries. And I always find, um, a lot of joy when I can draw some comparisons to another group. It's like, we're well, not, it's nice you're not making it up all the time. Right. So that's yeah, exactly. um, a good part of it. Yeah. Which Bitcoin miners often are. Uh, I think another thing here. The coolest part, right? Is because like yeah. you just have to be super gritty and like figure it out. Like there's no playbook for any of this. And I think that's like one of the best things about all the Bitcoiners that I've ever met is that they kind of just figure it out. Yeah. It's, that's what it's home for. Uh, what draws both of us to it, I think. The commodity part is also like pretty key here for going back to the gold thing is like you both have an asset with like a low stock to flow and the profile being like hard money, I think keeps it very similar. And so like from that business perspective, it's interesting, which gets me into like the flows part of it. If you look at it from the ETF perspective, you have this ability with a wrapper for someone to purchase this commodity through like their exchange or their like Charles Schwab or Fidelity account for the first time. And having yourself coming from that world a little bit with your Fidelity background, like, how much do you think like that is really the key for bringing someone into a commodity play for purchasing a commodity for the first time? So most people aren't like going out there and buying like copper stocks or they're not going out there and buying anything like that. But like, I think maybe the fact that gold is seen as moneyness or has moneyness qualities to it. And then you're able to purchase it through a, a stock wrapper brings a similarity to Bitcoin and that, and that wrapper as well. Yeah, totally. I think that, um, traditional finance, right? Um, it's what you can get comfortable with. So 
it, it like there's there's also like you know certain companies that only can do certain things, right? So the the wider we get in terms of like mm-hmm. how Bitcoin, how people can get exposure to Bitcoin, obviously the more capital kind of is going to flow into that. Um, what's really interesting is just like the difference of um, what that means for Bitcoin from like how it was originally kind of set out to be, right? Like this like you yeah. yourself, right? Like it's like self custody, right? Um, you know, peer to peer. So I think we've we've come along way. And I don't know if that's like for good or for bad. Right. Um, I think it's still kind of TBD on that, but it is cool that Bitcoin is whatever you want it to be. And it can be Mm -hmm. created. Like there's lots of different products that can be created around it that give a lot of different people exposure. I feel like you do have an opinion on if it's good or bad, but I won't, I won't tease it out of you. I don't know. I think like it's tough because I see, um, the value of, of, you know, Bitcoin going up if there's more exposure, but also like, You know, now we have, you know, synthetic Bitcoin and, you know, different things that like aren't really real. And it's like kind of uh, the antithesis of like what it was created for. So it sometimes feels good and sometimes feels like shit. So, yeah. Kind of just like going through your preamble more here and breaking down certain parts of it. I want to go back to the mining stocks portion of it, which we can honestly spend a lot of time on. Uh, Mining stocks are great for exposure. If you just want exposure to Bitcoin, often like a beta play on Bitcoin, where if you want it to go up faster and harder, you go and purchase a mining stock. And we've seen that play out, especially last year, just looking at some of like the year-to-date stock prices, like BitFarms, Marathon, like crazy price increases. Um, when it came to these mining stocks for gold you looked at, did they share any of those similar qualities in terms of like it wasn't as volatile. It didn't seem right. Like it seemed like it was a little bit slower and steadier. Um, but definitely like up and to the right until they like ran into issues. Okay. Those issues Which is, like really interesting if you think about it, right. Compared yeah. to the timing right now, like what are the issues that miners are going to face? Like that will potentially like not be up into the right. Right. So that's, I, I think where we, it gets back to the strategy point. Like, so what are miners doing that are differentiating themselves from the next one? We do have like, I think it's like over 20 different US listed public miners right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are a lot of strategies out there. So for example, like Riot was obviously like made their mark on we curtail our energy in Texas, right? Um, and so I've seen like some some takes that is like, oh, Riot didn't like produce as much Bitcoin. It's like, of course not, because they're making more money curtailing energy. So they have a different strategy than just like mining Bitcoin, right? So I think this is where it gets back to like really knowing the company and like what their strategy is. Um and then, you know, you have like, um, like CleanSpark, right? That is like 100% like self-miner. Um, and then you have Core, right? Who's about to emerge from bankruptcy, which is like awesome job, right? And they are mining, self-mining and hosting, right? So it's like every single different group of the three I just named, right? Have a totally different strategy, but we bucket them into like Bitcoin miners, right? Yeah. So it's like, how do you as an investor or like a, someone who's looking at this, like really decide like which one you're going to buy and it's like you kind of got to know what you're doing and you know i i think that right now there isn't a ton of analyst coverage on the mining yeah. i'd love to see like an increase on that where someone that might have like more background in in this industry right because like we've been around now for a little bit right like it's not yeah. like it's a year old anymore can provide like guidance and support on that uh, because i think it takes a little bit as we know to kind of like 
sort out like what's happening um, in between the lines of the press releases. And like, I have a fun time every quarter reading them, but it would be great if there was like more critical thinking on it. Yeah. A few things just came to mind. I know they did for you when you were saying that about press releases there. Um, those are always fun. And I'm glad to see that they're starting up again. It's like the engines on a racetrack where you can create <laughs> the most ridiculous press release. Um, I guess it's there's like a responsibility to share material information with your shareholders, right? So yeah. like, it's not always that like they're putting it out because they want to pump their stock, right? They're putting it out because they actually have to, right? There's like rules yeah. around that. So I think um, it's not always like a negative thing that there's information coming out. Like if people were doing things that you didn't know about, like as a shareholder, you'd be pretty pissed about it. So, yeah. you know, it, there's, it's a double-edged sword sometimes, right? Um, but yeah, I, I, I think compared to the last halving cycle, like we definitely know a lot more than we did mm-hmm. um, ahead of like, you know, the last one, because the majority, there was, there were, weren't many public miners, right? There was no like, you know, plethora in the US, right? Um, at the time. So it's, it's a totally different time frame. Um, and it's only been four years. Hey listeners, let's talk about revolutionizing your mining operation with Foreman. This isn't your average management tool. It's an all-in-one solution for reducing costs and significantly boosting your revenue. Foreman brings a cutting-edge dashboard to your fingertips, empowering you with automated energy strategies. This means not only curtailing around real-time prices, but also strategically enhancing your profit margins through demand response. It's about leveraging energy efficiency to its fullest potential. With Foreman, you get a system that scales with your business. Inventory management for assets, infrastructure integration, and business intelligence. Foreman elevates the cash flow and production of your entire operation. To see how Foreman can redefine your mining operation standards, visit foreman.mn. With Foreman, you're not just managing a mining operation, you're setting a new standard in the industry. How do we standardize these mining metrics? I know you're super bearish on ever doing that. It's not that I'm bearish on it. It's that like every company has their own spiel, right? But we do have standard metrics. Like we know a foot is a foot or a meter is a meter. Yep. So like there's ways of measuring the physics behind this game, right? Revenue. So how do we, how do we get... Revenue, do we is that what we all really just care about? Like, True. how much money did you make, right? How much That's hat true. rate do you have? Like, I don't care if you if five of your machines broke. I don't want to know that. I want to know how much money you made, how much hash rate you have, what your next plan is. Okay. Can you name anyone you like who's doing it well? I don't play favorites. <laughs> it's just a good uh, pat on the back. That's all it is. But that's fair. Um, <laughs> I thought I might tease that out. Yeah, I mean, I think the mining metric game, I, I saw, somewhat disagree with you. I think I want to see more metrics. No, I think that... Companies have 20 different metrics and none of them are the same. Like, you don't want more metrics. That's insane. I think I do, I think I do want, want more metrics because... Of metrics? You want I, to I, I just like it. No. I think that there's like abstraction away from the flows of these things. So going back to the gold stocks, right? So in the gold stocks... Like me as someone who doesn't know anything anything about gold mining, I'm not going to understand what metrics they're putting out to me. Like I can understand revenue and the things that you just kind of mentioned, like the very basic, simple ones. But what? that doesn't always give you the full picture. And if you have people who are like a little bit more well-versed and can interpret that and look through it, then it benefits everything. And the maybe the thing I'm kind of pulling on here is some of like the Cantor Fitzgerald and the JP Morgan analysts who are coming into the space and becoming better at interpreting these things on behalf of other people. Now, not all the reports get to retail. They're mostly for institutional clients. 
but like the water does come down the creek at some point and i think people are becoming more educated so if we do have more then over time we get there i guess i think that you can read a financial statement and deduce a lot yes okay it's all in the numbers it always is I'm skeptical of it. I know. I know. A lot of people want more metrics. I don't know. I just don't. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Okay. Quarterly reports only. (laughs) Monthly Monthly is fine, I guess. (laughs) A lot can happen in a month, right? There's two difficulty adjustments. Yeah. That's fair. Okay. On the topic of press releases, what do you want to see in a press release? Do you like these forward guidance notes for purchase orders? Yes. Um, mainly because it helps me think through like what hash rate is going to look like in a while, right? So like from like a financing perspective, if you are thinking about like, mm-hmm. oh, there's this company that wants me to give them capital for X, right? And their models are saying this, right? And my models are saying something else. Like if there's these forward projections and public miners, like even though it only accounts for like a third of the network, right? And there's like still a lot of caveats there. You kind of get a little bit closer to like, is this crazy? Wow. Like, am I crazy? You know, so I actually like the forward projections. Now, what I would love is if like, when they're not hit, that people like kind of own up to it and fess up yeah. to it. Okay. But also, I think that like, building is fucking hard. Like you run into issues that you didn't expect, right? Like there's construction issues, there's people issues, there's, you know, things that you didn't like, I don't know, like something floods that you didn't even expect rain, right? Like there's a lot that can happen um, and a lot of third party risk that you just don't have control over. So yeah. I understand why it's difficult having built things, right? But I I, um, I think we've gotten a lot better like with like the uh, positive projections that didn't... We need also- more naming and shaming to get us exactly where no, we need to be. I think that... <laughs> but I'll do it. You don't have to attach. No, I don't, I don't think that it's ever been like one group that has done something really wrong. I think everyone is just learning. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, before we move on to a different part of the whole conversation, I want to button up the gold mining thing one part. We love this. What, the gold <laughs> mining thing? I know, I keep returning us to it. But I, I feel like there's one more question I have for it. And that's almost like a warrant or... a a real reason for why you think these flows into Bitcoin mining stocks will continue. So you said that you flipped your opinion on it. You think that there could be more. And your analysis is just purely Lots playing of the, flowing the in. ETF. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think like if the if the Bitcoin ETF is launched, right? Like people there will be a lot of capital flowing in. Yeah. And there's, you know, obviously you can buy the ETF, but miners are an alternative to that, right? So as you're like diversifying your portfolio, it's not a bad look. Okay. So we're longing, what is it? We going to make it? Uh, <laughs> well, it is for me. So we going to make it the Bitcoin mining stock ETF. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's pivot over. So you launched Fabiano Consulting this year. Yeah. Congrats on doing that. Thank you. Uh, really and then exciting. a note. Yeah. Note for anyone who's listening, this is a one-stop shop for all things mining right here on the podcast. So give her a DM. Let's talk about the consulting space and what miners need right now. Um, I was like, can I caveat the question real quick? Yeah. Or add an asterisk. I was surprised when you launched that you didn't add more specificity into like your website or what you were launching with because there's so many things that miners need. I know. That's why it's really vague. Okay. So I I feel like there's a couple things. One, um, 
I want to work with people that I really like and I want to see grow their business. So obviously like um, background at building something at Galaxy, building something at Fidelity, like that's what I like to do. Like I really like to like grow like businesses, right? And so um, felt like it was time to kind of go and do that on my own and, and see like if I can make this work. And so it's been a really fun and rewarding exercise for me. Um, I'm working with a, a, a few different miners and then also... Um, you know, capital providers that are starting to become interested in the space, right? So every bull market, right? There's people that are like, huh, I should invest in mining, right? Now, I love the people that are starting to do it in like a bear market because it's like, yes, this is a time that we start to do that. So, you know, there are, there is, I think in addition to the ETF, like that launches like a whole different flow of capital that will start to come into mining. A lot of people don't know how to analyze mining, right? Um, when I was at Galaxy, I, along with the team, underwrote 400 million of minor finance with zero defaults. Not bad, right? So if I can help other people start to think about how they want to get into financing miners or investing in mining or project level financing, fine, right? That sounds fun. And then also, like on the other side, growing um, some of like the smaller businesses versus like the public companies, right? They they're kind of doing their own thing um, is really fun, right? So I, you know, I I. I've had, I, I, I don't know, like I've just had a lot of fun like doing this and mm-hmm. building this out and thinking about like other avenues that I kind of want to get into. Um, and I have some plans for that for 2024. Um, I keep saying 2023, but we're done. I we're done with it. It's yeah. in the books. But. In terms of like helping these different miners out, you mentioned like multiple different profiles there, which again gets to my core issue. I just like, you got a lot going on. So like, what is the thing you want to focus on or like, do you enjoy focusing on the most? I'm not going to try to pigeonhole you here, but no, 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 it's all good. I really like uh, strategy. So okay. like, where are we going? Why are we doing things? Like, what are these like decisions that we're making that will ultimately change and guide the company? Mm-hmm. Like, that's like what I really like to do. Um, I think that these like like we just talked about right like all these public miners are kind of like doing something different right but at the end of the day they're all public miners right and so i i think that there is this like they can't move as quickly as like a small private company right like they can't get as like quickly innovative as that because they're public right there's like all these rules and requirements that they have to follow there is this like subgroup of of mining companies that are doing really cool things like building in a really cool way that could potentially start to become appealing to the public companies right so as like miners need like different ways different streams of revenue right or different like something that separates them from the other 20 that are there there's a lot of smaller companies that are just building really cool things that could potentially be part of like an m&a or like you know, some type of like sell off, right. Of like a a certain project or product. Right. And so that's like, I think a really interesting like dynamic of like bringing like the two worlds of private and public miners together. That excites me. In the press release or the article, I think it was on Coindesk. Mm -hmm. I talked about a few companies you're working with, which is one compass mining and two giga. I think maybe we could explore one of those two. Maybe we'll start with giga. What does that kind of look like for you to be working on a consulting basis with a company like that? Yeah, they are so fun. Um, so I work uh, a lot with Matt and Brent. And you know, those two guys are just 
it's so smart, right? Like super young, started this very early, like had a vision and just like kind of follow it. So for them, it's just been really great on like operational processes, right? Like getting some of those things in place. I think they have an amazing head on their shoulder and they know where they want to go and their growth has just been like fantastic, right? So being part of like the day-to-day team has been really fun for me on that one. Um, And so, you know, just providing like guidance, like being there when they need it. Um, Also like jumping in on some of the ops stuff, right? Not like mining ops. I, I don't like to ruin my my manicure, but like, you know, for like <laughs> general business operations stuff, right? So that's that's what we do there. Okay. Yeah, they have a lot of different interesting lines of business, including yeah, doing launch in the Middle East now. They do right. project and product, which is really cool, right? So they started yeah. an off-grid miner. And and Matt's going to kill me because I'm going to totally butcher this. So sorry, Matt, in advance. But um, they started as an off-grid miner. And then they realized that they could build products faster, cheaper, and better. And so they built out this whole product line, right? And so the product line was that they built out. Now they're selling to other miners and selling to other industries, right? But it started out as like a very pure need of what they needed mm-hmm. on off-grid operations side. And so you know, it's been really amazing to see how quickly they've grown over the past, you know, since we started. Um and, you know, just like on the op side, they've done incredible things on the product side, like they're whipping things out and in a way that I've never seen before. Right. So I don't think Matt sleeps um, at all. <laughs> so you know, it's really fun to like watch them and, and, and work with them on, you know, being able to jump in wherever they need help. I want to pivot to last point of conversation, maybe. And it might actually be one of the longer segments, just kind of talking about what it means to be getting into Bitcoin right now, specifically into Bitcoin mining. I mean, you've been one of the longer tenured Bitcoin miners and definitely one of the lo- larger figureheads in Bitcoin mining for Damn. a while now. Oh, my head big. I do have a big head. No, just, uh, you know, it's a time. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just it's just a phrase. <laughs> <laughs> um, what does that, what does that look like for its new bull market? So there's going to be a lot of new entrants. Like, where would you tell people to start? Uh, last cycle, was probably my first cycle for for mining specifically, not for crypto, but or for Bitcoin rather to make yeah. you happy. Uh, I think the difference this time around is there's like a lot of really good content, right? Like, so like mm-hmm. this podcast is awesome. I think that there's other content that has been created, right? There are analysts that are covering the space, right? I think that there is, there's, it's such a different world than like when I started. Like when I started, it was like me and Yuri trying to figure out like who the major like, manufacturers of ASICs were because like everything was made in China. Right. And we had to like figure it out. Right. And, and like now you're his head of uh, mining at Foundry and it's, it's been awesome to see him grow too. But I just think like, it's a totally different world than exi- that it existed when I kind of grew up in it and I'm still growing up in it. Right. Cause it just is ever changing. Um, I think the one thing that I like the most about uh, the friends that I've made is that they're always constant learners right? Mm-hmm. They get their hands dirty. They're super gritty. And miners are generally, they have to be gritty because everything, like I said, is always changing. The miners that I don't like are the ones that come in and they're like, look, I'm an entrepreneur. I've built businesses before. I can totally do this. And you're like, good luck. Have fun. Yeah. Like it's like a, it's a weird little place, right? Um, With, you know, rules that don't make a lot of sense sometimes. And I think that, um, you know, it's just, it's good to stay grounded and, and like really learn from a lot of the people that have built like businesses over the past, you know, four years and, and try to like take a something, I don't know, like a note out of 
what is it like a page out of their book? Yeah. Um, <laughs> like how to uh, like just build something and, and, you know, stay grounded. Cause I think that's the best thing you can do. Um, we, we've all lived through like the downs and ups of Bitcoin, which I think allow us to stay grounded. But when you come yeah. in top man, like it's tough. You get jaded and mean and you just don't want to talk to new people. Um, I, I just, like talking to new people. I'm not, I'm talking about I myself. like talking to new people in a bear market. <laughs> that's true. What about for financiers? Cause I think that's something that you have really good insights into mm-hmm. with your background. There's like a lot of hot money that moves in every cycle. How would you talk to these people and be like, this is what you need to do besides signing up for Fabiano consulting. Like what's the, some stuff they could do. Yeah. To move uh, I think that money was really cheap before, right? Money is not cheap anymore. So I think that it was easier to get comfortable with things that you didn't necessarily know because you know mm-hmm. you didn't have these crazy interest rates over you. So I think we're in a different macro environment than we were, you know, when people were were funding. Um I think the biggest thing in mining is diligence and counterparty risk as you're thinking about financing someone. So like if you don't know how to evaluate an operation, like hire someone that does, right? And like dig into it because things can go wrong that will completely change the projections that the company gave you. Mm-hmm. Right. So you know we we had a full team at Galaxy doing that, right? Like it wasn't just like me in a corner. Like we had like a team of people that had these, this background and experience. We were able to like point to things, be like, does this make sense? Does that make sense? Right. And had like a whole yeah. process for that. So I think like being extremely diligent, I think we've learned this in many different, you know, ways over the past couple of years, right. In the broader industry. Right. Um, I just think diligence is super important and it's not sexy, right. It's not fun to write like a, these are the risk parameters, right. And like mm-hmm. the analysis that we have to think about, but like you do prepare yourself in, if something goes wrong. Um, and so like partnering with people that like understand mining, I think makes a lot of sense, which is like part of why I was like, Hey, there's a, I think a massive opportunity here for me to kind of take the skill set that I built and, and see if other people want help with it. Okay. Let's finish up with some predictions. I Prediction time. It's okay. It's the beginning of the year. And I always make everyone do predictions. This is dating back three years now that we've done. Well, sorry. Only for you, Will. Thank you. A hash rate <laughs> prediction for end of year. I think we're probably at 550. I didn't check today. But around 550 is what I imagine we're at. Man, I... Oh, God. And okay. then I also would love to get a prediction on something related to Bitcoin mining, whether that be how you think ordinals and inscriptions actually grow, or if it's more companies going public, or mergers and acquisitions, something like that. Something else you kind of see in the tea leaves that you want to leave with our listeners with? Okay. Um, hash rate. I'd say over 800. Over eight? Yeah. Okay. I don't I'm know. It down. I think that might be too much. I don't know. I feel like I always undershot because I want it to be less. <laughs> well, what's, your, what's your reasoning behind it? Do you have I don't know. I'm just thinking that? about like growth over the past like four years and how it's a having year. So some stuff will fall off, but then it will eventually come back on because people pick up those rigs or pick up those sites, right? Um, because they have a lower cost of capital. So like, will we see as much drop off as we did back in the day when, you know, there is, you know, S9s were selling for $20 in like May 
and then they were reselling for 250 bucks in December, right? So like, will we have that same type of rebound? I don't know, right? So I don't know. I'm going big. Okay. 800. I said 750. I felt like that was a little more conservative, but it's pretty yeah. close. I'm pretty close. Okay. Any big predictions for the mining industry? I mean, I've been saying this for a while. I think M&A is still going to continue to happen, right? We've seen a lot of it start to kind of percolate, right? With like HUD-8 and US Bitcoin Core um, closing and Marathon getting generates assets, right? I do think that we'll see that. I think companies that have are on the higher end of the cost curve are still kind of squeezing and like holding on. But I do think that like we'll see more companies kind of come in and take, you know, sites and, uh, you know, acquire things. I also think there is public companies that have shells, right, basically that, you know, could potentially pivot and and do some very interesting things. Um, mm-hmm. I ordinals. Um, it's been a, it's been fun, right, to see like that whole discourse and discussion happening. I know you brought them up um, as a miner, like. You give me more revenue. I don't really think anyone should care, but I know there's a lot of debate around that. Mm-hmm. Uh, BZ was trying to get me to buy one today, so I'm like, you know, almost, almost there. Um, you want to buy my goose and all? I'll let <laughs> a slight markup. I, you know, I, I, it's interesting to think about how that will play out long term. Um, I don't think we all, any of us, have the answer to it. I do know when Crypto Kitties came out, I had fun with that. I can't, I don't even know how to like get back in and like they're worth less. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Um, but that was pre NFT craze, right? So is it here to stay? Do those things hold value? Is it better to just hold Bitcoin? I don't know, like TBD, right? Um, yeah, ordinals. What, a, what, a, what's your take on ordinals, Will? Oh, I've talked about ordinals too much. So the listeners are going to tune out. If I ask, I'm, I'm bullish on ordinals out. Big ordinal fan. Um, I have, to have one more question. No, I'm asking you a question. <laughs> I know. I'm deflecting. We actually just did a podcast. It's going to come out before this one, which was a year in review of ordinals for 2023. So if you missed it, it's a really it. good one. You could even, I can even send you a transcript so you can read it. So I know you prefer to read it. But we it. go through December of 2022 through this year and talk about, talk about all the milestones and the big developments and the takeaways. I think we did a pretty good job. So it's a solid. I mean, solid whether you like it or don't like it, people are talking about it, right? And it's yeah. happening. And miners are making a lot of money. Yeah. Which I think plays into like a larger idea I've had for a while that since the China mining ban and hash rate coming to the US, you saw a convergence of Bitcoin node runners, which like maybe you could say are like the development side of the world and miners together. Mm-hmm. And so that union again, for the first time since like the early days of Bitcoin is going to force like a, it's going to be like a voting constituency or a voting block of people for how they want the network to change. And so if we do see something like OpsyDV or some other sort of software proposal, people are going to have to be prepared for a world where miners actually have a voice and are technically inclined towards changing something that benefits mining. And I think that's something to pay attention to in 2024. Mm-hmm. So that would be my ordinals take, even though it's nice. probably different. Um, one last prediction question. What do you think happens to home mining and or hosted mining over the next yeah. year or so? I think home miners have a different game that they're playing, right? Like they're not overly worried about, it seems like, right? They're not overly worried about um, 
cash. It's more like KYC free Bitcoin. Yeah. Actually, Stacey Willigo, who's a good friend of mine, just gave me an S9 for Christmas. So I think I, I might actually set it up, which will be pretty fun to do this year. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, I think that that's just like a totally different ballgame where like the, the rules are different than they are yeah. for, you know, large public miners. Uh, hosting, that is a fun one. Um, you know, two years ago, hosting companies just had miners you know, in their grips, right? Like it was yeah. like, you will sign this contract, you will do whatever I want because you have no capacity anywhere and you can't get a transformer for 18 months, right? Uh, welcome to post-COVID world. I do think that um, after everything that happened over the last two years about counterparty risk, like we talked about, I think generally people are a little bit more skittish to sign up for hosting providers, right? Um, without having like the like real diligence done. And if you aren't doing that, then that's the wrong thing to do. Right. Yeah. Um, and there is a little bit of like the, the ball is in like both of their court. Um, do I think that this like flat rate hosting um, fee for like three years will continue to exist? Like, I don't really think so. I think those days are over. I think it's more a matter of like partnerships with hosting providers who necessarily don't want to put out the capital for, um, you know, the ASIC infrastructure, um, but they do want to put out the capital for like the overall infrastructure. So that's one way of thinking about it. Um, it is also a totally different business model and a different investor story, right? So if you don't want to be a self-miner, but you want to be uh, an infrastructure provider, right? Like there is kind of value there. Um, but unfortunately for those groups, the market values self-miners more. Definitely. Yeah, I think the rise of teams like River... And I've heard of some other teams who might be doing this, offering it soon and offering a hosted mine solution within what is essentially a one-click buy Bitcoin experience could make a big bound this year. But I think it's capped by people's appetite for not making that much money through that kind of business. So I think it'll be around, but not as popular as 2021 is my prediction for that. Everyone wants to become a Bitcoin miner in a bull market. Well, we do. Okay, so you're really bullish on it. That's why I, 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 I think that there, I think there is like a, you know, maybe not the groups that want like one to two miners, like maybe that yeah. will be lower. But there had there was like a large amount of people that wanted like 500 miners or like 5,000 miners that didn't want to deal with the operational headache, right? So like yeah. those were the groups that um, became like the enterprise more clients for those services, right? So will those continue to exist? Like maybe can they get a better price because they have like more capital, right? And so like the middle group is willing to work more with them, like mm -hmm. potentially. Uh, okay. Felt like you were gonna end something there. A big was it? okay. I think there's I think there's potential for <laughs> those groups. No, I because if you want like, like if you if you want like five thousand machines, you can't yeah. like how are you going to run a site, right? Like the capital that you're buying is for machines. So like you you're not gonna go out and you know, build a, a, you know, a site for that. Right. Like, so you're yeah. going to you to want like that hosting solution. And like, if you are a large mining provider, like, are you going to give that low of an MOQ to everybody? Maybe, maybe not. Right. I don't think a lot of these miners will want to do that anymore. They're tired of the headaches. And even today there was the closure of the sphere 3d Corsi thing. Right. And like, that's a huge example of it. That was like a $30 million purchase for hosting, but I think people are tired of the headaches, but I could be wrong. Um, Amanda, so where can people find you and sign mm -hmm. up for Fabiano Consulting? 
Um, my website. So it's Fabiano.consulting is the best one. And, and email too. So Amanda at Fabiano.consulting. Awesome. Okay. Well, we'll check into that 800x hash prediction. But thank you oh, for being here now. But yeah. <laughs>